Good morning, good morning. How are we this morning? I'm going to start off with this. I'm going to get straight into our message. I've got a lot to unpack and uncover. I'm really excited about today's movie and Shawshank Redemption. It's one of, probably one of my most favorite movie of all time. Romans chapter 8, verse 24 to 25. For in hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we have hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I'm not sure about you, but I think there's a good chance that 2020 has been short of a hope-filled year. The year that was supposed to be a 2020 vision. Maybe you were going to travel or renovate the house or go and see some family members you haven't seen for a while or uh, yeah, maybe pursue a career that you've always dreamed of. This was supposed to be the year, but then COVID-19 happened. And some of us wish that 2020 had never occurred, and let's just skip over to next year in 2021. But what happens if nothing changes? Jeremiah 29, 11 says, God has given you, you and I, a hope, a future, in the midst of so much uncertainty, possibility of further lockdowns and financial pressure, strained relationships and marriages, where or what is the hope that the Bible speaks of? Today's movie, The Shawshank Redemption, starring Morgan Freeman and Tim Robbins, is a story of tremendous despair and the discovery of one of the greatest gifts to mankind, and that is hope. As set in 1947, Shawshank is a prison where Andy Dufresne is sentenced to two life sentences, which is around about 25 years per life, for the murder of his wife and her boyfriend. And while he's in prison, he's beaten, he's abused, and he's used. Days turn into weeks, weeks turn into months, Months into years, years into decades. And yet, Andy maintains his hope. So what is hope? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. If hope is one of the three, then it must be important. The dictionary says hope means to cherish a desire with anticipation, to want something to happen or to be true. The Greek meaning from the Bible of hope is alpis, to anticipate and have an expectation of good hope. What are you expecting? What are you anticipating? Are you hopeful for anything? This morning, I'm going to give you at least three points or reasons why hope is vitally important. Firstly, hope can't be contained. Hope cannot be contained. And like those women's voices, it's so high above those prison walls. And that's definitely one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Andy had a different perspective on life. In fact, if you watch the movie, it's very obvious that Andy 
is different from, from his fellow inmates. It reminds me of the story in the Bible, and in particular when God says about what, says, what he says about Caleb, that he had a different spirit. Caleb was one of the 12 people's tasked with bringing a report about the promised land, to report on the inhabitants and to report on the land. He was told to, what, what is asked, what is the land like? What are the people like? Is there any fruit growing there? In fact, the Bible says the spies brought in a cluster of grapes that was so massive and so huge, it took two people to carry them through into camp. However, 10 spies said because the land is inhabited by the giants of Anak, they are powerful. Their cities are fortified. We are like grasshoppers. But not Caleb and Joshua. They never denied that there were giants in the land. Instead, there was a different spirit within them. And that spirit said and cried out, if God is for us, then we can take these guys. If God is for us, let us go at once and we can do this. But it was too late. Fear had taken hold of the Israelites. And it got so bad that they turned on Caleb and Joshua. And that's what fear does. And they spoke of stoning them. Due to their fear, it cost the Israelite people 40 years of wandering in the desert. Caleb and Joshua were the only ones from that generation to step into the promised land and occupy the land because they had a different spirit. See, hope can't be contained. It has no prison. It's the pathway to opening and obtaining the promises of God. Fear reaps loss and eventually death, but hope keeps you alive. And check out what Lloyd Ponder, a World War II veteran who was held as a POW by the Japanese army said, a lot of our fellas, I love that, would give up. They ended up not getting through it. Hope makes a difference. If you don't have hope, you're gone. Having hope can get you through anything. You know, when I've hit a rough patch in my life and uh, I know the best thing that I can do is ever is to come to church, raise my hands and lift up my hands and sing out to God because I know that's the best place where he wants me to, to listen to his word hang around some awesome, awesome guys, play pool, hang out, just play some fun games and all that sort of stuff. And it does something on the inside. Hope and faith begins to rise within me. You see, where God's presence is, there is hope. Romans chapter 15, 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Point number two, hope comes with the possibility of something better. Five hundred yards. You know, that reminds me of a story in the Bible, in particular a lady with the issue of blood for 12 years. Andy had spent decades in that prison. 
And for the woman with the issue of blood, according to the Levitical law, if she had touched another person, they were unclean. If she had sat on something, it was considered unclean. Basically, anything she touched, it was considered unclean. Imagine living like that for 12 years. Can you, can you imagine what people may have said about her? Maybe they say that she's sick because she sinned, or, and God is punishing her. And perhaps she had been invited to a tea party, and, and uh, while she was sitting down and drinking the cups of tea, the host didn't realize that she had been sick. And then when she had left, she found out that she was sick and had to throw away her tea party and dinner, dinner utensils and all that, the dining room table, the, perhaps she was wearing a new dress and had to throw that away as well. Or perhaps the woman with the issue of blood had children and she wasn't able to touch them. And perhaps, uh, I know with my children, if they fall over, the first thing you want to do is just pick them up and cuddle them. And she wouldn't be able to touch them, pick them up. And maybe someone like a stranger walks past and she asks, hey man, can you please pick up my child? She's really hurt. She's crying out for some comfort. But the woman wouldn't be allowed to touch her own child. Then there are the religious leaders of that day, the ones that were supposed to help and provide support for such people. Instead, they would have been the ones to just drive them away. Get away from that sinner. Get away from that sick woman, they would have said. And just telling people, just get away. But Jesus, thank God for Jesus, he said to his disciples, tell people just like this lady, that the kingdom of God is near you. Don't push people away with rules and regulations. Instead, bring them to the Father. The good news is the gospel and the message of hope. The woman with the issue of blood hears about a miracle worker, healing lepers, blind, the lame, and the possessed, and whispers of hope start to rise within her heart. She picks herself up and takes a step into civilian territory. It's packed with people there, and they're just rushing past to see Jesus. And as she approaches Jesus, she thinks to herself, if only I just touch his garment or the edge of his garment and the hem, then I will be healed. And as she does, nobody wants to touch her. And when they see her, people are scared and move fast away from her. She touches him, and instantly she gets healed. The unclean touches the clean and becomes healed. Jesus then says, who touched me? Her reaction is someone that is institutionalized. And if you watch this movie, institutionalized is is explained by Morgan Freeman's character, Red. And these wars are funny, he says. First, you hate them. Then you get used to them. Then you get to depend on them. That's institutionalized. And likewise, the woman with the issue of blood uh, accepts that she is to be condemned for touching someone. Remember, she's not allowed to do that. So she falls at Jesus' feet. Why? She's just broken the law. And she's just touched another person. But how many 
know that the grace of Jesus trumps the law. She made for the kingdom of God and not for prison. And Jesus acknowledges her and calls her up and says, daughter, daughter. You know, Jesus had no right to say daughter, but yet he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. And straight away, when somebody says daughter, if I was that person, that means that I belong into his, in his family. And so here's Jesus. He has the right to cast her away. Yet he says, daughter, daughter, you belong to me. Daughter, you belong to my family. Daughter, you are accepted in my family and not into being an outcast. Daughter, you went against the odds the hardships and the trials for 12 years, the disappointment, the despair, people's expectations to pursue God and not stop until you got what you came for. And not only does he hear Jesus um, address her need for belonging, but he spoke and, ex- and congratulated this lady for behaving such as a daughter and a child of God. And just like Andy, she went through the crap of life to get to her promise. Her hope of healing drove her through all the rubbish of the world to pursue the promise. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, when people of hope take up their position, lift up the name of Jesus, walls start to crumble. People take notice. They refuse to be dictated by their circumstances. They maintain their hope and hold on to the promises of God. They behave as a son and daughter, and this is heaven on earth. My third point, are you a prisoner of hope? Just to put things into context, that scene was before the the escape. Get busy living or get busy dying. Zechariah 9, 11, uh, chapter 9, verses 11 to 12. And you, because of your my blood covenant with you, I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost returned twice over. Andy was never a prisoner of his four walls that surrounded him. Unlike his prison inmates, no amount of beatings or days in solitary confinement could ever take that which was within within his heart. He was a prisoner of hope. He He was never a prisoner to his circumstances. He was a prisoner to his anticipation and expectation of good, and that's hope. You see, Jesus came with a message of hope, his his heart bursting with joy to see his children free. He came to set the captives free. You see, uh, one of my uh, things I love to do is watch uh, YouTube clips and in particular, there's clips about um, uh, people that are colorblind. Is there anyone in this place that have seen uh, YouTube clips that are people with colorblindness? Anyone here? Well, I love it. And uh, especially when, not because they have the disability, I'm not that cold-hearted, but because there's an opportunity for them to see color as it should be. And in their hands usually is a special type of glass, 
a glass, a pair of glasses, and the the glasses have different. They bring out different spectrums of um, red and green, so they can correct their disability. And um, you can tell that it has a profound impact on their lives. And uh, I really love the ones that um, there's some of them are like 40 or 50, 60, 70, 80 years old, just, just long into their years, into their life. And, and when they put their glasses on and we get to see the reaction and you can see that they finally see the fullness of what the world is supposed to be. Each color pops out. There's the greens and the reds and the pinks and the blues and all these colors that they won't be able to see, they can finally see. And usually the reaction follows 100% or 100% of the time. First, they're shocked, and then they start just bawling their eyes out. You see, God is like those glasses as we put them on, we see many things, including, and one of them is including hope. And no longer do we have to put up with the grays of life like despair and fear, but we can live as we were meant to. We can see as we were meant to, because this is the year of 2020 vision. As I come to a close to the message and invite the band up, I'm going to finish with a, a testimony. See, nearly 30 years ago, it's quite a while ago, I was raised in a family like a scene from Once Were Warriors. And it was normal to have parties on the weekend. The alcohol, the abuse, the behaviours that come with it. And generation after generation, um, my family line just carrying on those abusive behaviours. I had a childhood filled with disappointment, pain, and dysfunction. It was the norm until God came into my life. And see, God had a different plan. I didn't know it was normal to love your kid or to say, hey, and treat your wife. Hey, I love you. And so all that sort of stuff that I've just beginning to, not beginning, but just learned along the way. Oh, is that how you're supposed to treat your wife? Is that how you're supposed to treat your kid? No longer, you know, is, is it normal to leave your kid outside a pub for two hours while you're having fun with your friends? An 11-year-old boy from Tuako in this very building in the kid's own room surrendered his heart to Jesus. He understood Jesus came into his, to this earth to set him free from all the penalty of sin, and what struck me so much is that Jesus didn't have to, yet he chose to. It's such a beautiful, beautiful exchange. And Jesus makes the hopeless hopeful, the dead live, the orphaned fathered, the bound liberated, and the imprisoned set free. That's the beautiful exchange. See, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Jeremiah 29, 11 in the Message Bible. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. 2020, undeniably, it's been rough, rough guts. With hope, you can survive anything because it can't be contained. 
Hope causes you to be a better person. It pushes past your personal comfort, and I get that. And it limits people's expectations. It makes you go further. A couple of weeks ago, you had Anna talking about our automatic responses. And then last week, we had Gina talk about dreams come alive when we spoke about and when we pursue God. And I believe that God is reminding us right here, right now. And God wants to ignite that hope that indeed this year, 2020, is the year of vision after all. You are carriers of hope. And it should be our automatic response that when we, when the going gets tough, that we don't give up. We don't give up. We keep pursuing God and His hope for our lives.